You're listening to episode 100 of the Bright Planning Marketing Podcast, weekly insights and marketing tips to help your small to medium-sized business market better and be better. Because this is a marketing podcast for businesses that want to do better in the world and also, you know, be better at their marketing at the same time. I am here with my co-host and producer, Natalie Piles, and I am joined by our other co-host and producer, <laughs> Jason Piles. Jason is back on the show for our 100th episode. Woo! Congratulations, <laughs> ladies, Yay. on 100 episodes. That is a magnificent feat. Very few podcasts ever accomplish 100. But I mean, most podcasts don't get past episode eight, so this is um, especially a reason to celebrate. So, Catherine, what are you drinking? <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's 8.15 in the morning, so I'm just going to say to everybody, I'm drinking coffee, quote unquote. <laughs> right, right. Are you? Mm-hmm. Are you, though? <laughs> so many reasons for congratulations, though. Also, congratulations on your recent nuptials. I'm so excited about that and proud of you guys. And I know, but you Aww. still haven't sent us any pictures. Uh-oh. Big trouble. Oh. Oh no. Oh no. I'm in big trouble with these. Like they they make it sound so friendly right now on the show, but I'm going to I'm going to be in real big trouble right after. So, I promise to send you photos. We're mad. No. <laughs> that would be really weird to see Jason and Natalie mad about something. <laughs> well, not as You're weird the- as you think. <laughs> <laughs> right, Nat? No, I'm just kidding. No. We're no, we get along really, really well all Fam- the time. Famously, <laughs> in fact, yes. But the secret to Natalie's heart, Catherine, just so you know, is really Reese's. Or oh, yeah. or as some people say, and I don't know why, Reese's. Yeah, it's the sixth, <laughs> it's the sixth I hate when people say, say it like that. But, but actually, Nat encountered this neat little promotional uh, marketing gimmick that Reese's was doing around Halloween Um, If you're interested in hearing about that, Catherine. I am always interested in hearing about marketing campaigns, especially from Reese's. (laughs) Gosh, that's the worst. Who does that? I know. It really bugs me. I'm like, why would you think it's pronounced that way? Yeah, maybe listeners could write in and tell us if there's a certain state where that's like the norm for pronunciation Mm -hmm. or... What is going on? Well, we've just offended a subset of the listenership. I guess we should apologize. <laughs> we well, just we just lost a third of our listeners I'm, on episode 100. <laughs> Everyone from like Texas and Alaska or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, actually the statistics show that there are a lot of people who are listening to the podcast in Texas and Alaska. Sorry, mm-hmm. guys. Mm-hmm. That's not true at all. Okay, so tell me about this campaign. What happened? The Reese's campaign. Oh, right. Okay, you're going to love this. <laughs> So we're recording this just a few days after Halloween. So everyone is kind of, you know, rolling in the candy, as they say, but not the candy that you want. It's like lots of candy that you don't want. So like Almond Joy, for example. Smarties. Yes. Gross. So Reese's has set up this exchange machine where you can turn in your unwanted candy and get back Reese's peanut butter cups for free. You just trade them in. We're like dying over the genius of this. Mm -hmm. That's, that is brilliant. I mean, cause you know, like the, you know, dentists will do that, right? Where 
it's cash for candy mm-hmm. kind of thing. You can bring in your candy and stuff. But I love that Reese's just looked at what dentists were doing and we're like, let's do that. <laughs> right. We're going to do that. That is so genius. I love it. I love how much of a diss it is on so many other candies. I mean, there's so <laughs> many awesome things about it. It's like, clearly we're the best candy and clearly this is the candy converter machine that you would want you know i mean all these things and they're they're willing to do up to 10,000 cups and i bet you they do all of them oh definitely that's so funny because Reese's has always been just sort of a cute brand. You know, they've just really tried to be kind of cutesy and and catchy and everyone just loves their little illustrated commercials. And but they just stepped it up to like the Doritos PepsiCo level. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And on, on Twitter and stuff like their hashtag and on the, the the candy converter machine, it's like hashtag not sorry. They keep saying not sorry, <laughs> which is hilarious. But well done, Reese's. Well done. That's amazing. (laughs) Wow. Well, you know, and I think that this, you know, really brings us into our topic for today, which is, you know, we are going to be making some predictions for 2019 marketing. And I love seeing companies doing something new and just kind of putting themselves out there. And I think that that's a big lesson for our smaller businesses and our small business owners who are listening in right now is that you You have to take that risk and be courageous and be confident in what you're doing. I mean, Reese's just showed us a great example of how to knock it out of the park with confidence, and yet they're hilarious at the same time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So today, with the three of us marketing geniuses, um, <laughs> because that, that's, that's what we are. Let's just face it, guys. Um, we're going to run down our marketing predictions for, for 2019, and... I think, Jason, let's start off with you. Okay. A lot of my feedback here comes from what my my day job marketing company is doing. And, and sometimes, Catherine, when I've shown up on this podcast before to talk to you, I'm like, okay, this is cat. And in fact, here's a, here's a nice little tidbit here for episode 100 that I've never said before on the podcast. <laughs> oh, no. When, when, when I first um, heard about you, Catherine, when I learned about... Catherine Campbell, our mutual friend, Tom Ryan, who is also in marketing, said, oh, she's the real deal. She, she's a big deal. She really knows her stuff and she's good. So because of that introduction, I've always thought, OK, I'm nervous about bringing my little thing to the table because Catherine might be like, yeah, that's not what we do. So <laughs> so as always, you have the right to totally be like, nope. Nope, that's uh, not actually what's going to happen. But but this is what my company, this is what we think is going to happen and become more of a thing. So this is for blogs, right? For blogs for 2019? Oh, yeah, definitely. Let's hear about it. Because I think blogging is still, it's a big thing. It's a big thing that everyone is doing. It's a big part of content marketing. So mm-hmm. let's hear your thoughts on how that's going to evolve. You got it. So a big thing that we're looking at is voice search and how... Uh, people aren't really typing into the Google search field anymore as much as they're just saying what they want to search for. It's almost like the most, what's the word? How would you describe it? Instinctive, like intuitive, like a lot of times it's very short. Like in Google search, you might type in nearest store that sells Reese's. But on voice search, you'd say, where can I find Reese's? And so mm, when, you, mm-hmm. when you're going to optimize your blogs, and write your blogs, uh, the the prediction is that we need to sound more natural, 
create content that when it's read aloud, that it actually patterns the way that people speak. Now, I don't know how you feel about this as a writer, Catherine, but for me as a writer, I do lament a little bit the way the language is getting, you know, more just simplified, simplified and almost dumbed down. And, and that is unfortunate. But what I've noticed is if I write fancy sentences in blogs, if I write something that's lengthy and, you know, I try to be fancy in my words, when you read that out loud, I've heard other people try to read what I've written out loud and they stumble. And so I've been actually migrating to just simpler, more conversational. And I know, and I know blogs have always been kind of conversational, but there's like really a focus on that so that it would be optimized for voice searching. Okay, so I want to piggyback off of that, uh, of what you're saying, Jason, because one, do you use the reading scale plugin on blogs for clients and stuff where it will tell you if, you're, if your blog post is too advanced um, of a reading hmm. level? Uh, to be honest with you, uh, no, because I, I don't personally um, at, at my day job because I'm very petty and I knew a person I didn't like one time who did that. And so I don't use that. But I tell you what I use. <laughs> the spite. Is yeah, I do it for spite. That's right. But I thought you did use that site. Well, I use a site that's much simpler. And Catherine's probably going to make fun of me because this is like Flintstones technology. But there's a site called Word Count Calculator. And it actually does assess a number of things about your writing, um, not just word count, okay? <laughs> but like when you type things in there, it, it does, it tells you the reading time, the reading level. But the flash reading scale that's in the WordPress itself just keeps staring you in the face while you're looking at your blog post. And it basically gives you sort of a red, yellow, or green, almost like your SEO optimization features. Mm -hmm. And I hate it. I don't have anybody on our team use it. Because um, you know the same annoying person that I know, huh? And that's why you don't use it, too. Oh, yeah. Ben. We're not going to. It's Ben. <laughs> <laughs> it's Steve. Yeah, his name is Steven. He's a real jerk. Ugh, Steve. His podcast only has seven episodes. Just kidding. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, our team goes against those. And one of the reasons why is because the language and reading it level of each audience that we work with is totally different. So we have some really sophisticated audiences that we're talking to, and then we have other audiences that want to just have those one line sentences and sort of more direct response style, very natural language um, style blog posts. And so I just don't think that there's a one size fits all with, oh, you know, this thing should be at this grade reading level because this is what's going to determine the success of your blog post. And I just, I don't think that's true at all. I throw it right out the window, but I do see your point. I too lament the simplification of our language. It's becoming oversimplified and people are leaning on very few broader phrases, which is going to affect a business's long tail SEO um, mm -hmm. success and ability to be discovered in the future. And at the same time, it's also really challenging SEO marketers for one and business owners too, who have been used to looking for specific keyword phrases that are going to start dropping in popularity anyway. And so you're going to have to start thinking about SEO in a completely different way. Mm -hmm. I agree with you. And in fact, I think exactly what you're saying, it's almost like there's going to be a homogenization of keyword phrases and keywords. And it's like, wow, how are there going to be distinctions made if we all you know, just funneled down into this very narrow neck of words. 
Did you like that metaphor, Nat? Loved that. (laughs) (laughs) She loves it. It's fantastic. I know, right? And then that does not bode well for anything that's a keyword-based ad because that means ads are going to go through the roof in pricing because Mm -hmm. keyword bidding is going to become that much more competitive. Yes, true. So (laughs) welcome to our doom and gloom episode, everybody. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. But should we give people something else? Because I want to talk about something that actually goes hand in hand with the voice search. Yeah, go for it. Okay, because I think it's really important that people know about the voice search. And and also, Jason, do you have some examples of what you mean by voice search? Like, do you mean just by phones or do you mean by like also Alexa or those kinds of assistants? What are your takes on that? Yeah, honestly, uh, all of the above really, and correct me if I'm wrong, Catherine, but my understanding is that everybody is interfacing or interacting with these tools in the same way. I mean, we've all been trained by... <laughs> Google and and everything that reminds me of a documentary I want to ask you about later but anyway we've all been trained on how to search for things and and we're all shifting in the same direction so the same way you search with Alexa is the same way you'd talk to you know your phone when you're searching for something on Google that's my take at least I mean what what, what do you feel about it no I I I actually agree I think that those voice search assistants are going to become more popular, although they scare the bejesus out of me. So I'm never going to have one in my house. Although my husband, he is lobbying so hard to get at least one in our house. And I'm like, nope, no, I refuse. <laughs> There's so many things already spying on me. I'm so... right. And here's where I'm about to lose the next third of our listeners. <laughs> totally against voice search assistants. And that's just me. You know, I think it's I, maybe that's my generation. I mean, I know that there's nothing to slow that down, but I was also one of the last people among my friends to get a smartphone. So mm-hmm. there you go. Yeah, I am one of the I'm one of those weirdos that has to be on the cutting edge of digital marketing at all times. And yet I try to live a pretty tech free lifestyle. <laughs> well, Catherine, there's a documentary that Natalie and I recently watched that, that you have to watch. It's called The Creepy Line. It's from 2018. It's available on Amazon Prime. So you can watch it for free there. If you don't have Prime, then you could watch it for like three bucks. Anyways, now. Alexa, find me the documentary. <laughs> the creepy. <laughs> that was amazing. Now, the funny thing is, if you're not a conspiracy theorist, it does kind of have a tone of conspiracy theoryness. But let me just say, in as much as you are a. Um, a skeptic about things the the things that they present in this are like you're like well yep okay that's true and i've seen that for myself and yes that that is a fact right there you know and and i also of course this goes somewhat political but it also has people from both sides of the aisle so um anyways yeah, it's not alienating that way but it is damning as they say yeah yes it, it is and so i i would recommend checking that out because it is Creepy indeed. Ooh, and, and Jason like just got a smartphone in 2017, so he would know. Uh, yeah, that's right. That's right. I'm very up to date on smartphones. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you. We're proud of you. I know, right? <laughs> Let's put a link to that documentary in the show notes. Okay. So we can weird out all the rest of our listeners. <laughs> and if you want to find our show notes, you can go to uh, brightplanning.com. That's B-R-I-G-H-T 
brightplanning.com or use your voice search assistant to go to it for you. And so brightplanning.com forward slash podcast. And you can look in there for episode 100 and find the show notes. That's right. Episode 100, y'all. 100. (laughs) So exciting. Yeah. So what's going hand in hand with voice activated search in voice search is visual search. And so for those of you who don't know about this, and this is something that they just started heavily campaigning for, and by they, I mean Big Brothers, Google, and Microsoft, it's more of an interactive SEO tool, and it's one that they're trying to make pretty competitive. So what's going on is is instead of typing in the name of a product to find out more about it, people can simply use their smartphone that they bought in 2017, and <laughs> they can point their, their phone camera at any object and then receive text-based information. So for example, well, if someone was interested in a computer, like if you're in Target or something and you wanted um, more Best Buy and uh, shout out to all the big box stores, apparently, um, I don't know, <laughs> go to your mom and pop computer shop, please. Um, so if a person was interested in a computer, they could point their camera at an option and then that would send back text to them of all about its features and its competitors offerings and just a host of other comparison tools. And the tech is still pretty limited on this because they're still trying to make phone cameras have the ability to really recognize patterns and shapes the way that the human eye does. So this is still developing, but I think it's going to be kind of fast-tracked over the next year. And by the end of 2019, I think that this is going to be something that people are leaning pretty heavily on. That reminds me so much of those really cool apps that like identify songs when you're out and you just hold it up and it catches a bit of the music. You know, like, uh, what is it? Shazam and Shazam. Yeah. And Soundhound and all those. That. That's that's super cool, but also creepy. Speaking of creepy lineness. It's interesting. I think I also am kind of curious. And this is where I'm going to start making my crazy predictions. Catherine's about to go off the deep end a little bit here. But I, I actually wonder if um, just like, you know, one of the first industries to embrace the virtual reality industry was the porn industry, right? And I think one of the first industries to embrace visual search is actually going to probably be the dating site industry. And I'm kind of wondering if it's going to be where they're able to create tech so that if you're wanting to match up with somebody or find like find out if somebody who you see at a, like, at a place is like on Tinder or something or on match.com, you could like take a photo, like you could like hold up your phone. And I wonder if it's going to do like sort of a face profile match kind of thing. Like stalker tools, right? I could, I could totally see humanity developing some kind of horrible thing like that. Well, and, and I, I will, uh, I will, I don't know poker terminology, unfortunately, or it'll be a great little transitioner. I will see your stalker technology and up it. Raise, raise, thank you. Natalie's a card card player, gambler, (laughs) cigar smoker. She's all of those. She's a card shark. Oh yeah, yeah. You don't even know. Yeah, I know when to hold them. Know when to fold them. (laughs) Know when to walk away. Know when to run. Nice. I love. I love. I I loved that. I I found a gal who can quote Kenny Rogers. That that's what I looked for. That's all that matters. I, I, I know, right? But um, this is also conspiracy theory-ish, but in filmmaking, they say that there is no such thing. It is absolutely impossible to make an unbiased documentary because even the placement of the camera suggests bias. And so I think what's interesting about this visual search is 
if I'm depending on this device or software or platform, whatever you call it, to extrapolate or interpret the world around me, then I am going to depend on its translation of what it's picking up. So I will get its worldview, like quite literally. And I think that's also a little unsettling, potentially. And the creepy line actually talks about this very thing and about how the what comes up on search results and the way that it comes up is actually influencing people because people let down their guards. Like when you hear an ad, you're like, okay, I know this is an ad. Somebody's pitching me something. So you have your guard up. But when you do a search on Google, according to this creepy line documentary, your guard comes down because you just take it as truth because it's an algorithm and you trust it. Yeah, that's true. Oh, man. You know, (laughs) I feel like we could just go down the rabbit hole of so much philosophy behind all of this. And I just realized that Natalie is probably <laughs> Natalie's sitting, Natalie's sitting there like, okay. No, not at all. I do think that this is alarming and it's interesting to hear what you and Jason think is around the corner because you guys are kind of in the know with what is getting developed. Yeah, but we've been talking way too much for the last <laughs> few minutes. So let's turn to you, Natalie. When what are your thoughts on 2019 marketing? Anything coming up that that you think is going to become a thing? Yeah. So my world is kind of in podcasting. I work with a lot of podcasters, and I see a lot of podcasts get developed. And I just feel like since we've had now a lot of big players have come in and kind of commandeered the podcast playground. And since podcasting has reached the tipping point, uh, we really need to find a way to stand out as small business podcasts. And so what I see in 2019 is people really focusing in on a specialty. And this is going to be a really good thing, I think, for podcasting. So for example, I heard a podcast just recently where they were interviewing a therapist And her podcast isn't just about uh, self-help, which would be B2C, and there's a lot of those, and they're great. And her podcast isn't even just, you know, for other therapists, like B2B, which would still be a pretty crowded field. She's specialized even more, and her podcast is just about helping other therapists learn how to manage their note-taking and find resources to help them take notes. Like, that is what she does. And I loved it because it was really specific. And I think at first you'd fear that by choosing such a specific message or vision for your podcast or your business that you would lose a lot of potential clients. But actually the opposite will happen. I think you'll attract more listeners the more specific you get. So I think that's what I see in 2019 is more specific podcasts. I love that more specific podcasts. And I I think you're absolutely right because, you know, we've talked about this a lot on the show before, Natalie, and you and I have talked about this at length off the show, which is that everybody and their brother is starting a podcast right now. And I see this all the time, people who are starting up and, and I, you know, and I do give the advice out, especially to any, any clients who are interested in starting up podcasts. And because I received this this advice myself, which was that, you know, record your first 10 episodes and see if you actually like doing it. Just because everybody is doing it doesn't mean that you need to. But I think that there's a lot of noise and, well, sorry, that's a a terrible pun. Um, (laughs) 
there's a lot of noise right now about how we're in the audio economy. Because, you know, just a couple of years ago, it was like everything video, everything video, make sure you're making videos, make sure you're doing video marketing. And while that's still super important, we've seen a lot of people saying, okay, people are kind of sick of consuming video. You could just strip the audio from your videos and post those up as podcasts and be getting double the traffic because you have a ton of audio people who want to consume it that way. And so there are a lot of people who are just kind of pumping out a lot of content um, through podcasts because they think that that's the, you know, the quick and easy way to get traffic. And as we all know, it's a long game. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and when you're not specific, you don't even have an edge to get people drawn in really quickly. So Natalie, I think you're right on the money with that one for sure. Jason, what do you think? Yeah, absolutely. And in fact, I like what she said about them just becoming more and more focused and niche. I mean, I think we've, we've joked before, Catherine, about how there was that dude who had a a, a podcast about pens. It started out oh, as a yeah. blog about pens. And then he has an entire podcast where they just talk about pens as a writing utensil. And then I found a movie podcast recently. It was called, um, this is crazy to me. And I love this actor, Josh Hartnett. Remember him? They, ha- they have a podcast, We Heart Hartnett Podcast, <laughs> where they strictly... <laughs> They strictly talk about Josh Hartnett related news and Josh Hartnett related uh, filmography, the films he's been in and so forth. And it is so funny to me. I just love that. But I mean, honestly, those shows have a following. The Pen Podcast has people who are like super jazzed about pens. And so there they are. So I I agree with you 100 percent in that. Man, that's great. (laughs) I just got so many great ideas for new podcasts. (laughs) Natalie's like, I'm going to have a podcast about leg hairs <laughs> <laughs> I, I want I do I do think that would be good right <laughs> right I'm sure it would you could have a hundred episodes on that no doubt I bet that there could be one on nail polish um also speaking of Josh Hartnett but not really whatever happened to Jonathan Taylor Thomas like I'm just thinking about all these like, 90s stars and I don't know where they went I know. I mean, that's the thing. And I think that's what inspired the Josh Hartnett one is because they they were like, why isn't this guy getting more work? You know, why aren't why aren't they showing up more? And like, what you know, but yeah, he let's see. He did Jonathan Taylor Thomas. So he did the Lion King voice. Like, wasn't he? Uh, yeah, but he, w- he was one of the kids on Home Improvement. Oh, yeah. And okay. then he was Simba, which is extremely important part of our of our canon. Of course, um, <laughs> our kids our kids still make Jason lift them up to do that um, ceremony on the on the cliff. <laughs> you know it. It's so fun. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's amazing! I do that with my cats. Well, wait a second. That's good. There was Nat. Wasn't there a, a Christmas movie? Yeah. Okay. There's one of a Christmas movie. I think we saw it on Netflix streaming recently. Not recently, a couple years ago. I'll be home for Christmas. Just stop. He was There's, in that one. No. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but she's talking about now. Well, I mean, for, for me, I'm kind of a... I'm Maybe a, he's just smart and he's like, I'm just going to take my money and go live a happy life. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's either running like some huge, you know, organic farm or he's a... <laughs> He's like a professor of natural sciences somewhere. I don't know. But. Or he's hang, hanging out with a lemur and a and a warthog and just saying Hakuna Matata. You know, he's off doing his own thing. Yeah, he was. He just started to get real about it. <laughs> and speaking of real, and I guarantee there's probably a podcast out there that's like 
what happened to all of these 90s stars. I I guarantee there is one out there. So I just have to find it. Oh, yeah. That's a great angle because people love learning. And so if the podcast makes them feel like they're multitasking or doing something really productive, not just entertaining, then they're going to listen even more because then they're like, you know, feeling smart. Mm -hmm. True. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the reasons why we made this podcast. So, so how to, and not just let's talk about the issues, but not actually give you anything actionable or anything that you can take away. Cause I think that that's sometimes the worst. <laughs> right. It's just talking about something and you don't really get around to, I don't know, there are a couple of podcasts that I love because they have wonderful guests and everything, but they spend the first 20 minutes talking about themselves and it's just not, I don't know. I don't know. It's just, I'm like, I want to know what's going on in your life. I do. But can you give me like a 90 second download of it? And then let's, then let's go. Let's like jump in to yeah. the conversation. Yeah. We're not your grandma. Yeah. Though yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I do have to be pretty concise when I'm talking to my own grandma. She'll keep me moving right along. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. That's yeah. different. That's a, that's a new one. I would yeah. like to meet your grandma. She's amazing. Uh, Natalie's grandma accused me of being a serial killer when we first met. It was nice. It, I felt I felt warmed right into the family. It was very. Yes, because <laughs> and here's why. This is really funny because she had heard him anecdotally say that his favorite color was blue. And then later at my bridal shower, he was complimenting the hostess and and the tablecloths were purple. And he was like, purple's my favorite color. Those are beautiful. And she was like, busted. Right. Calling me a lot. Just thinking that I was lying. And she's like, because there was a, a re- at that time in 2004, there was a recent serial killer who was busted in uh, in Utah. And so she said this person's name. I hope we don't have another so-and-so on our hands. But here's the thing. She's a lovely lady. When I was a, a little boy, I loved purple because I had a crush on Daphne on Scooby-Doo. And then as I grew older, of course, I, my, I retained my fondness for purple. It was my original favorite color. But grandma, people are allowed to change. And so my new favorite color became purple. Blue. I mean, blue. Sorry. They're both my favorite color. <laughs> <laughs> but You're doing it again. I know. I'm doing it again. Maybe I am a serial killer. But anyways, <clears throat> just kidding. So it was both. Catherine's like, uh, could you guys cut all this out? <laughs> No, keep going. It's fascinating. I know. It's just our, our listeners are on the edge of their seats. I know. I know. They're just like, wow, this is great stuff for 2019. Why did we start talking about this? Oh, grandmas. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Also, okay. I don't think that they expected to hear the word serial killer and marketing in the same podcast. So, woo, <laughs> bucket That's... list item achieved. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> We're just being real, which actually leads me into the next trend for 2019, which is being real and authenticity. So I'm going to bring it back around. We'll get back on track listeners. Nice. So, sorry, so, Catherine. Oh gosh. You know, I just hate talking with you guys. It's, it's, it's <laughs> Natalie's grandma's fault. <laughs> so authenticity, right? So <laughs> we're all very authentic. If you can't tell already, <laughs> Um, that's the kind word for it, but authenticity has become the buzzword in the last several years. And I'm sure most of you are sick of hearing about it because it's all about being authentic and telling your authentic story. And I'm sick of hearing about it. Right. But there's a reason for this, which is that people are smarter than ever. 
they'll see through any gimmick, any ploy, anything that's going to entice them into making a purchase. And it's like they can just, they have an instinct for it. And the reason why was because if you think back to the 1950s or the 1960s, where there was a limited amount of where you received advertisements, which was like in the paper, in your magazines, on your television, and on your radio, and perhaps through billboards, right? Like that was basically about it. And today, it's every single place that you turn. It's in your instant messages. It's on the sidebars of your browsing. It's text messages on your phone. You get sales calls. And in addition to television and streaming and inserts in the DVDs that you buy and, um, you know, just everywhere. It's everywhere on the back of foods, you know, branded everything. So now people are just like, they've been conditioned to spot an ad a mile away. And if you're just real, then you're going to earn people's trust. And if you show your cards up front and you say, look, I'm, you know, we're going back to that poker (laughs) metaphor (laughs) here, which, right. So it's like, (laughs) I'm not bluffing. I'm here. My business is real. We're just here to serve you. And the most convincing authenticity campaigns are going to be ones where the people speak for you. So those reviews and those testimonials and user-generated content and not just paid influencers, those are the things that are going to really carry your business. And so in 2019, this is a big thing that you need to be focusing on if you own a business, which is if you do not have a reviews or testimonial strategy in place or a case study strategy in place or a place where people can submit and share photos and videos and stuff of them using your products without you paying them to, you need to get on that now because you're already like, and this is something that is really going to make or break your business. Wow. I couldn't agree more. And in fact, I've been thinking about this recently, Catherine, because I'm like, okay, how does being real work? I mean, why does that work so well for people? And I think, I think you hit the nail in the head. I think it has to do with taking down that wall, that advertiser's wall. It's like, okay, this isn't a bot coming at me. This isn't a billboard or a sign or a push notification or any of that stuff. This is a real person. You know, you're having that human to human type of interaction and connection and that lets them in basically. Yeah. And I'm not saying that you need to get rid of your marketing altogether. And I I mean, if I thought that that was the case, I honestly would just pack up shop and, and go start a farm with Jonathan Taylor Thomas. But, (laughs) but, but the thing is, is that it's, it's just one of many touch points, but, but the touch points that really cinch and close the sale are the ones where you're hearing about the brand from other people. It's almost like that, that last chance reference to make sure that the place where you're about to spend your money is legit and, um, and that you're going to have a happy experience. So remember, you do need to use marketing and PR to, to create a variety of touch points because people do need that, that average of seven to 10 times of seeing your brand somewhere um, before they buy. But, but having user generated content like reviews and testimonials can really fast track that for people. So, um, and that decision buying and that decision-making process to buy. So you definitely need it as part of your overall marketing. But, you know, I I just think that people who are spending millions and millions of dollars on ads could scale back just a little bit of that and put some of that money into just hiring some dedicated street teams to gather reviews and case studies and testimonials and videos and those kinds of things, like going out there and getting the content. Because actually getting people to leave reviews and testimonials is like pulling teeth you should really kind of have a way to be able to go out there proactively 
you know, and remind people to do that. Yeah, we had a great experience with this once. Do you guys have noodles in company in North Carolina? No, no, okay. but tell me about this. Okay, I love carbs. It's, it's this <laughs> too. awesome little pasta restaurant franchise place. And Jason and I went there once and we were ordering and I was like, hmm, I just don't know what to get because I always get the same thing. And I wonder if I should get something different. And it was like I had just said some magic word or something because the manager <laughs> walked over and he was like, anytime I ever hear a customer say that they're not sure what to order because they always order the same thing, I invite them to bring six or eight friends and come to have dinner where they can all order whatever they want and try whatever they want and experiment with new things on our menu. And this is our marketing. This is how we try to like get the word out about our restaurant. So mm -hmm. we got to go like there and eat with our friends and have a great time. And that was what they did instead of like, you know, commercials on TV or something like that. Like a feast. They brought out tons of it, right? I mean, tons yeah. of dishes. It was amazing. Yeah. Wow. That sounds amazing. I love it. Mm -hmm. Great example, Yay. man. Yeah, that's fan that's fantastic. All right, so any other 2019 predictions? I will throw in one more with social media because we haven't really talked about that a lot. And that is around Instagram, everybody's favorite platform right now, which I think is only going to get bigger over the next year. I think that we're going to see a lot more Instagram features rolling out and especially for businesses. So there's a lot of like, you know, they introduced Tap to Buy. They introduced, of course, IGTV. There's a lot of complimentary tools now to create more um, videos and like promoting through uh, IG stories. But I think that there's going to be some stuff like maybe including the ability to secure top promotional photo spots and hashtag categories, or maybe there might be some sponsored visual group rooms. I just wonder if they're going to harness the same sort of group community mentality in a way that Facebook is doing it. But I think it'll be really interesting to see how Instagram sort of compliments Facebook and then how they how they're going to start overlapping in the way that they treat businesses and advertising. The numbers I'm seeing Catherine is like, you know, Instagram is just it's, it's still on the rise and it and it has become especially among what what ages like like younger like teens, 20s, it's shifted from Facebook obviously and it's become more Instagram followers. So yeah, that's a that's a great place to focus. Catherine, if I may, just real quick, I'll just throw this out there because I know we're running long on episode 100. But we I want, can. We've <clears throat> earned this. That, that's true. We have. <laughs> but one thing I just want to throw out for marketing, and, and this, I know you and Natalie have already touched on this a little bit, and this is something that I think maybe the most effective companies have already been doing, but I think that this is something that other companies are catching on to. Because video is so hot, obviously, and this kind of hurts my old man heart because I love audio podcasts, obviously, and I love the written word, but video is the preference. You know, they will watch something way before they'll read it or whatever. But, mm -hmm. but what you could do with your content is have a video format and then you can rip the audio from that and have an audio format for those who like to listen while driving like me. And then also for the SEO boost, you know, you can have the the written version as well. So video, audio, and written. And I know that this sounds very overwhelming for you know, a team to to take, you know, one piece of content. And I know you you do really well at this, 
Catherine, with your company, with Bright Planning, you you put stuff out there and, and you know, different facets like that. And I think that's very effective because um, what we do at our company, too, we have our different teams. Like we'll have a video team. They'll take care of that. And then we'll take the have the content writers take what's in that and do a content piece. And then we have a blog team who can take the blog form of that and then you know, get the written version. Um, my company doesn't do the audio form. So, I mean, they, they need to get into podcasting if you ask me, but I, I do think that, um, having all three of those elements is extremely effective. I think it's just difficult for companies to buckle down and crank out and release that content in three different formats. Yeah. I think that content marketers and, and content um, creation agencies are actually going to become more valuable because of this sort of holy trifecta of content leveraging that you're talking about, Jason, which is, mm-hmm. you know, I definitely agree that we're seeing a huge split in the way that we're marketing because we're no longer marketing to just one or two generations, right? We're, we're marketing to at least three, still technically four generations right now in the way that they're consuming content. Also because younger generations are starting to um, access more um, advertising than than even our generation did, and so and so that I think that that's another strong case for taking a pillar piece of content in which you know we've talked about this before on the podcast, and we'll link to a couple of those episodes in the show notes about how to repurpose your content and split it into tons of pieces. But the best thing you can do for your business is every month identify a like a pillar piece of content, like something that's going to be long, whether that's a blog post or a video or a podcast. And then create those other pieces of content based on that pillar piece of content, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, for example, like even with this podcast, it just naturally synced up that Andrea, who is just an amazingly gifted writer on our team, was writing a blog post about 2019 marketing trends at the same time that we were getting ready to to do this podcast. And those yes. actually were not plan together, although typically we do that. Mm-hmm. Um, it just happened to be sort of kismet this time. That, but then they will help overlap and complement one another um, so that people who are readers are going to get an amazing ton of value out of the blog post. And then the people who are just tuning into our podcast are going to be able to, you know, get what they need as well. That's right. But only the podcast listeners will get to hear about serial killers, creepy lines, um, poker, Kenny Rogers, and blue and purple favorite colors. Just saying. Unless I edit all that out. Okay. <laughs> Nat's oh. like, I'm cutting all that. Yeah, don't cut all that out. It's golden. <laughs> <laughs> and Natalie, what about you? Anything else to add to the mix? Or do you think that we are, we got plenty of trends on the horizon for 2019? Yeah, the only last thing that comes to mind right now is that you've got to find a way to get around the fact that people are so used to everything being free. And that's really hard. But right now, like people are just spoiled to things and getting whatever they want for free, whatever information or content. So what do you think people can do to like get over that hurdle? Oh, gosh, that's such a huge challenge. And yeah, I feel yeah, because it we everybody is conditioned to think that they should have things for free. Um, They think that they should have everything for free. Um, and I, and also I think that that lends itself a lot to negative reviews and people demanding too much. Like we're in a society where people are very demanding and, uh, mm-hmm. 
And it's just, it, it can wear down a business owner, I think. And they start to think that they're doing something wrong by not offering a ton of stuff for free or free shipping or whatever. And I think that you kind of have to just pick and choose your battles without sacrificing your profit margins. I don't think you have to give everything away for free, I, but on the flip side, you have to position yourself as a really valuable brand. And so if you're not going to offer anything for free or if you're not going to provide, you still have to provide value in some way. And there are different ways to provide value, right? You can educate people. You can inspire people and help like change or shift their mindset. You can um, actually provide some kind of like, you know, physical value of like of samples or, or free products or whatever, or a free consultation, that kind of thing. You can provide, you know, free shipping or you can provide something for free on the back end of the purchase. So free shipping, free follow-up or support, um, that kind of thing. So you just kind of have to decide where in the marketing funnel something for free should and could be offered. And if it doesn't make sense at all for your particular audience, like they're willing to pay for everything, then don't don't offer anything for free. I mean, I know that that kind of goes against a lot of the marketing advice that you hear, but I think that you also then have to take a stand as a brand and really position yourself as a valuable, unique brand. Because if you're not going to offer anything for free, then people don't get a taste of of how individual you are. Like they don't get a chance to be able to sample the uniqueness of your brand. Because offering things for free is almost a way for people to prove themselves that they're a different type of business. But if everybody's offering the same thing for free, then you're also like just kind of watering down your profit margins. And then you're starting to be competitive as a brand only on price. And that's not a good place to be competitive. You don't need to do price cutting and you don't need to be trying to undercut everybody by offering something for free if you don't need to. So just kind of go in the opposite direction and see how that that works for you. But you're going to have to think about what you're going to replace if you're not offering something for free. You know, I, I loved what you said in there about positioning your business and your product as something that's genuinely valuable. And if the listeners are interested in learning more about that or they have time to, to look into this, like uh, as a case study, over the years, my podcasting mentor, Cliff Ravenscraft, the, the podcast answer man, he is one of the best at putting out there that, yes, I do offer some free things, but the products that you're paying for you're paying for those because they're genuinely valuable to you and they will help you and, and so forth. He is so good at doing that. So um, anyway, that's Cliff Ravenscraft. If you want, Catherine, we could we could link that in case people want to, you know, kind of watch the way he does that. He positions that very well. Oh, yeah. Cliff is amazing. Let's definitely put that in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Hey, well, thanks for answering that question for me. I think that is good to know how to navigate and Oh my gosh, I'm feeling really good about next year. Yeah, I know. We've been, <laughs> I am I am too because we have pulled back the curtain. We're looking at 2019 trends. Um I think that a lot of these trends are also possible for small business owners and I think because you know sometimes we're seeing a lot of technology that's really financially and physically out of the reach of your mom and pop main street businesses of America and but I think that there are a lot of things now that even in your own small way, you can harness a lot of what's happening right now and make a difference and make a difference for your business and make a difference for your community. Yeah. And we want that. We want to see you guys all thrive. We want to hear about you. So let us know what you're doing and what tips in this podcast have really helped you plan for next year so that you can specialize and be authentic and use technology and and everything else that we talked about today. So please reach out. You can email us at info at Bright Planning. 
com. We will love it because we're going to take a little eight week break. And so that will give Catherine something to do while she's bored out of her mind, not <laughs> podcasting with us. But <laughs> let, let us know what you think of this episode. Please reach out with an email and also hop on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating and review. We would really appreciate it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. We're coming to the end of our 100th episode. I just want to say, first off, Thanks to Natalie and Jason for uh, being on this journey. It has been awesome so far. I'm really stoked for the third season, which in season three, for the first time ever on this podcast, we're going to be um, having interviews with uh, with marketing and branding and PR experts. And so we're going to be having guests on the show. And nice. so, yeah, it's going to be really fun. And at the same time, I just want to say thank you to all the listeners who have been with us since the beginning, who are just now joining us. Um, who are spread across the country and across the world, actually, um, far and wide. I think last time I checked, we were quickly approaching our 10,000th listen. So, um, yeah. So thank you to all the thousands of people who have tuned in. And it's really, it's really inspiring. And we just hope to help you on your entrepreneurial journey and on the growth of your business. Yes. And also please subscribe now so that when we come back in January, you don't miss a beat. You definitely want to get episode 101. Oh yeah. It is going to be a good one. We're going to kick it off uh, with, with a very strong and very special guest. I'm very excited about this. So yeah, absolutely. Please subscribe. Thank you again so much for tuning in and for spending your time with us a little bit each week. And we will see you in, in January of 2019 kicking off season three with episode 101 in the meantime as always have a great week market better be better and we'll see you on episode 101 you're listening to <laughs> sorry my cat it's just like cracking me up okay i gotta be over all right hang on uh, okay